1: Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
2: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. I'm Sharon Kleiner. The theme behind our show and the focus of our show for almost six years has been water, water, water. What is our planet Earth, the life in the water, and what can it do to make a better place And in with, we've had our friends from NASA and NOAA and different groups on from the United Nations all have said that without the water, there would be no planet Earth. And the planet Earth has the water, obviously, influencing our solar system for our lives. There's so much to learn. Did you know the world is experiencing everyday major revolutions of learning more about how to live our lives and be healthy Knowledge and education is so exciting because we now can learn a personal choice, a personal lifestyle. Let's leave the politics excuses out of your life every day, of what's going on in your life. You have a personal choice to get out of bed in the morning. I wouldn't care if you were living under a bridge. Touch your feet on the ground and begin a day of your lifestyle, your choice, and to be healthier. Drink Eight to ten glasses of water a day, that's your body, that's your life, that's the influence of your, of your oxygen. But we're also breathing humidity. The water and the air is vital to your everyday health and life. So we're learning more about the humidity effects and what you need to understand about healthiness. The population is growing The population in the world last week grew by 1,480,247 people. Our life is moving. It's going. We are finding out that every second the urban population grows by two people. We're learning 827.6 million people live in slums. No drinking water or none at all or bad at drinking water and adequate and no sanitation. The projected growth of people living in slums coming in the near future is 27 million per year. Uh, we're learning that blindness now, blindness people wonder, well, what are you going to bring up? Blind, blindness is your atmosphere. Your eyelid opens, and the eyelid, eyes are looking at the world uncovered. It's an organism of influence to the whole body. But yet, 82% of blind are over 50. There are 1.4 million blind people under the age of 15. Worldwide childhood blindness rate is growing and is expected to reach 500,000 per year in time. Every three seconds, somebody's going blind. So that shows the atmosphere, what we're doing to our bodies, and what we need to learn. Now, can we learn to improve that through a lifestyle? Yes. And today we have a guest on here that I was so excited he could take some time out of his very busy uh, what he uh, his be- very busy day, and his uh, lo- what he's doing for people all over the world is Dr. Caldwell Esselstein. He wrote a book called Reverse, Prevent, and Reverse Heart Disease. Now we've had the guest on the show who was uh, wrote the book The China Study, and with Dr. Colin Campbell. Now we have. His, the other author, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, and we're going to learn your eating habits, your drinking water, everybody knows that's vital, but your eating habits, we need to learn how you can live on this earth and be healthier. Our second guest is Louise Rouse, who is with Women of the Waters and Women of the Rivers, and we're going to learn about our Native American May- in, uh, Indians, about what their philosophy has been from the beginning of time. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only 100% tissue culture-grade water to mist at the eyes. Did you know your eyes have a tear film? And the tear film, when it becomes dry, it's 99% water at the surface. When it becomes dry, your vision can be impaired all the way to blindness. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back with Dr. Esselstein. Listen. Listen.
1: The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. are listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at yahoo.com. That's Hour at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Dr. Esselstein, are you with us?
3: Yes, good afternoon, Sharon.
2: Well, good afternoon, and where are
3: you located? Cleveland, Ohio.
2: Okay, we're in Oregon. That's a good place. <laughs> so, good morning and afternoon, audience. Yeah. So we're worldwide. So Wonderful. tell us about, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. I've heard a lot about you. Dr. Philip Payton is a very dear person to our company and what I do. And I guess you're going to be in Medford, Oregon here soon.
3: Uh, that's, that's right. I, <laughs> Medford, in the, I think, fairly soon. And then this fall, I think I'll be in Portland.
2: Oh, you're going to be in Portland, too. Mm-hmm. Well, let's tell the world, our audience, uh, out there, a doctor, something about you before we start. And I hope we can find time for you again someday because we've had a lot of doctors from all at the different universities and uh, from around the world talking about, yes, water, and, yes, uh, our focus is on uh, nature's uh, influence on our health, but a lot about nutrition to live on this planet and be a healthier person. But let's find out about you before we get going. Um, you graduated from Yale, but then you went over and got your medical degree at Western Reserve University, it says here. Yes. And then you were in the Olympics at one time.
3: Uh, yes.
2: So you had a natured how to train, how to take care of yourself. Uh, and what did you do in the Olympics? What, what, what participation were you in the Olympics?
3: I was, uh, it was in Australia in 1956, <clears throat> and I was number six on the 8-Ord uh, rowing team.
2: Okay. On the rowing team. Wow. Yeah. And it says here, did you get a gold medal? Uh, yes. Good, Well congratulations. Uh, well, let's tell the world what you're doing now.
3: Well, what uh, I, after uh, completing medical school, I uh, had my residency training in uh, general surgery. And it was really uh, along about the late 1970s, early 80s, when uh, as chairman of our Breast Cancer Task Force, I became increasingly disillusioned with the fact that for no matter how many women I was performing breast surgery, I was doing absolutely nothing for the next unsuspecting woman, meaning that I then uh, embarked on a sort of a bit of global research to try to ascertain uh, if there were any differences in breast cancer rates throughout the world, and it was quite striking to find out that in Kenya, for instance, breast cancer rates were 30 to 40 percent lower than in the United States. And in rural Japan in the 1950s, uh, breast cancer was really very infrequently identified. And yet, as soon as the Japanese women would migrate to the United States, by the second and third generation, pure Japanese-American, they now still had the same rate of breast cancer as their Caucasian counterpart. Mm -hmm. And perhaps even more compelling was... The data on cancer of the prostate from Japan in 1958. How many autopsy-proven deaths were there in the entire nation of Japan from cancer of the prostate? 18. Now, by 1958, 20 years late, 78, 20 years later, that was up to 137, which still pales in comparison to the 28,000 who will die this year in this country. So. At uh, that point, I made a decision, which actually, in hindsight, may not have been correct, but I felt that my bones would long be dust
2: mm-hmm. before
3: I could really get the answers to nutrition and, mm-hmm. uh, and cancer. So I decided we would try to get at cancer through heart disease. Namely, it was so apparent that, as part of this review, that there were multiple uh, cultures mm-hmm. where cardiovascular illness and heart attacks were virtually nonexistent. And the common denominator there was the fact that these societies, these cultures were plant-based. And so it really became sort of a, a challenge to embark on this study with patients who were severely ill with heart disease to see if we couldn't uh, get them to eat plant-based and see if we couldn't actually halt or uh, reverse their heart disease. And lo and behold, I went to our cardiovascular department in 1985, and over the next uh, year and a half, I received these uh, 24 patients, which my late brother-in-law used to call uh, Essie's walking dead. They had failed their first or second bypass. They'd failed their first or second angioplasty. They were too sick for these procedures, or they had refused. And there were five who were told by their Expert cardiologist, they wouldn't live out the year. But the exciting thing was that those five uh, made it beyond twenty years, as and everybody who was compliant halted their disease. And frequently, we saw striking examples on follow-up X-rays of reversal of the disease. So it was very exciting to think that uh, here that heart disease was purely a uh, a toothless paper tiger that need never ever exist. And if it does exist, it need never, ever progress. This is a food-borne illness.
2: Let's back up for a second so people can hear something there that maybe I can, you can, I'll ask a question and you can answer uh, representing the audience. What you're saying to us is, yes, we're living on this planet, and we got into lifestyle choices that were killing us. And we didn't know we were there because we got into a lot of entertainment of, uh, of different. Uh, we, yes, we started using a fry pan, but we started smoking. We started e- drinking all these sugars and sodas and, and snacks. And along the way, when people in different countries of the world, they hadn't gotten into all that, they had a different culture of eating and lifestyle. But all of a sudden, when they came to America or went to more Western thinking, they, they started a different eating habit. I'll just call it for entertainment And um, then all of a sudden, you found through study, and that's what you meant by those increased rises of of symptoms and and uh what people were finding being diagnosed as they keep raising and getting higher and higher and more people. That means something isn't right um, that we need to learn more about. So you're finding that the people when they become more westernized here, it was their choices with what they were eating.
3: Well, actually, uh, uh, there uh, there are a couple other points that I think are important. Uh, We know, for instance, that that even today, if you were to hang out your shingle as a cardiac surgeon in rural China, the Papua Highlands in New Guinea, Central Africa, or the Tarahumara Indians in northern Mexico, forget it. You better plan on selling pencils, because you're just not going to have any cardiovascular disease there. They're still plant-based, but if you look at our... Uh, soldiers who died in combat in Korea and Vietnam, you will find that roughly 80% of those 20-year-olds already had gross evidence of coronary artery disease you could see without a microscope. Now, not enough to have their cardiac event yet, but they're quite compelling. So 45 years later, that study was repeated in 1999, this time in this country looking at young women and men between the ages of 17 and 34 who have died of accidents, homicides, and suicides. And now the disease is ubiquitous. Everybody, women and men who are young, uh, already have gross evidence of, of heart disease. So when you graduate from high school these days in this country, you not only get a diploma, but you get a foundation of heart disease, which is kind of crazy. So the, the research, I think, has gotten to be sophisticated enough that we now know what in the world is going on, and that is that everybody has within their artery a single layer of cells, no more can than one layer. You,
2: you know, you're going Doctor. When I had Doctor. Payton on here too, I said, "Philip, can we talk? Can we ask, uh, say, mention them? Those are your pipes of your body. The pipe has to be kept clean, no different than any other pipe uh, that is out there. Um, people are so not. They're not looking at the common sense here. So you, the arteries. I want everybody to think those are your pipes of your body. That's how your body is living." If your pipes are not kept clean,
3: well, you mean, might as well just to stand back. They actually understand the uh, the mechanism, Sharon, which is that, that when you say the pipe, you're talking about the artery, and right. the inner lining of the artery is one layer thick of cells, and those are magical. Those magical. Are, those cells are absolutely magical because they produce a molecule of gas called nitric oxide. There we go. That that, Thank you. that protects absolutely all of our arteries and protects our health. So if you have plenty of nitric oxide you've got plenty of vascular health. So you might say, well, then how is it that by the time we're 18 or 20 years old, we have so diminished our reserve of nitric oxide that they can no longer protect us? And now we mm-hmm. know what are the foods that every time you pass your lips, you will injure the ability of your endothelial cells to make this magic nitric oxide. Those foods are oils. Yep, even that magic so-called olive oil, corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil. Oil injures endothelial cells, as does dairy. Milk, cream, butter, cheese, and ice cream and yogurt injure endothelial cells, as does anything with a mother or face, meat, fish, and fowl. And you can add caffeine to that list. Mm-hmm. And sugar now. So we, oh, we really are, are equipped to understand what are the foods that have, that have caused this injury so that our endothelial cells reduce the nitric oxide level below a critical level so we all start making this vascular disease. Let's go
2: back and repeat that again. I hate to do that to you, but sometimes we have to repeat things for all of us to get through what, what you're, you've just said, because I'm sure a lot of people have never heard this before. Yeah. So let's go back and right, let's, uh, let's do describe... It again the nitrate oxide, and then now, get nitric, back into the yeah, different cells that you're talking about.
3: Nitric oxide, that is the magical molecule of gas that is made by the inside of our healthy artery. We want lots and lots of that to be available to, to maintain the health of our artery because nitric oxide prevents our cells from getting sticky. It, presents, it prevents the or now, doctor,
2: use. is that possible that, that the word gas, I'm, I'm a common sense part of my studies and everything I do, it makes sense that if you have plenty of that, the gas is keeping those uh, arteries, those pipes uh, clean. They, they keep everything detoxified and keep everything moving, right?
3: Uh, that nitric oxide. No, I, then...
2: <laughs> My common sense, but you, they have to keep. De- de- they have to. Everybody has to be detoxifying. People don't realize that these kinds of descriptions you were just talking about. If you have those pipes, those arteries clog up, and you're not keeping enough oxygen movement, gases moving it, you're going to ca- start building up. What we call now in modern time cholesterol, well, we found, but I call it yeah. something worse than that. I call it sewage.
3: We found that when you stop injuring the lining of the artery, uh, that is when you stop injuring the endothelial lining of the artery, when you mm-hmm. stop eating those foods that injure it, the levels build up high enough so that mm-hmm. not only is the disease halted, but we've often seen striking examples of disease reversal of heart disease.
2: Okay. Wow. So what now the foods that you think that people should be eating?
3: Well, I think it's first of all we should go over it again, those that, are, did, oh, do did, it again. that create the injury, I, I... namely the oil, dairy, uh, anything with a mother or a face, sugar, and caffeine. On the other hand, the things that are so wonderful are whole grains for your cereal, bread, and pasta, 101 different types of legumes or beans, all those wonderful red, yellow, and especially the green, leafy vegetables and some fruit and there are now literally hundreds of absolutely exciting recipes that are available for people and it's uh it's it's really quite exciting when you think that the leading killer of men and women in western civilization need never ever exist
2: the leading thing applies for stroke i didn't hear that i'm sorry you said the leading killer what now
3: The leading killer of women and men in Western civilization, which is cardiovascular disease, responsible for heart attacks and strokes, really need never, ever exist.
2: Oh, yeah, exist. Now, that's why I had you on today, because people have to learn, doctor, and, and it's going to take a whole bunch of us around the world to understand that if you get up in the morning and you have a hurricane going on, you still have to have life choices to be healthy. And uh, stop blaming, but be willing to learn from people like yourself. Now, did you, didn't I read somewhere where you've been studying this for about 12 years?
3: Uh, actually, uh, going back to 1984. Okay. 20, 28 years.
2: 28 <laughs> years. And yep. you're still learning?
3: Oh, absolutely, all the time. We had a Nobel yep. Prize but winner we, on well here we, uh, we from
2: Switzerland, it. and he said, Sharon, he said, I'm going to tell you, I had 25 doctors, millions of dollars, and 20 years to prove to them something common sense. (laughs) And he said, then I got a prize.
3: You know, the exciting (laughs) thing is here that that when you eat to save your heart, there are about 75% of the other common chronic killing diseases that are remedied by this. For instance, uh, what happens when you eat this way is obesity disappears. Hypertension, high blood pressure disappears. Uh, Type 2 diabetes disappears. Uh, often allergies and asthma. You markedly diminish the likelihood of getting the common western cancers of breast, prostate, colon, and pancreatic.
2: Just keep those arteries, those pipes clean. And now, uh, real quickly, I needed to tell you, because my research has also been included in the eye category uh, worldwide, Uh, They brought me in many years ago to study the surface of the eye and the tear film and what was happening to the dehydration of that 99% water. So I did that ended up getting involved with it. But they're finding out, doctor, that it's what you eat also with your vision impairment, that there's a lot of influence with what you're eating, with the health of your eyes. Did you know that?
3: (laughs) I concur. Pardon? I, I concur.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, what you eat. Now, now when you other, get up the other in the thing morning, is that what that is I have, your normal, haven't... let's say, your diet? Now that you've become very knowledgeable, what is your diet each day?
3: Well, I usually start out with a, a whole grain cereal. My preference is oats, and uh, sometimes I have a little uh, uh, grape nuts on top of that, usually with blueberries and some raspberries, a banana, and a few raisins. And then I wet it down with some... Uh, either unsweetened almond milk or something like that. A lunchtime is usually a delightful uh, sandwich sandwich of a whole grain bread with some uh, hummus on it and then usually a, a green leafy vegetable on top, uh, uh, such as uh, kale, uh, collards, or spinach. And it, uh, in the evening we'll usually have a delightful uh, stir-fry of all different types of uh, vegetables that are cut up. And the stir fry will pour over a grain. The, the grain can be a whole variety of grains, everything from rice uh, to bulgur, wheat, rye berries, wheat berries, and so forth.
2: Now, do you ever have it, any potatoes? Oh, yeah. Okay. Potato, so potatoes, potatoes are, are not on. Uh, I have no I'm problem I am thinking with about potatoes. the starch in the
3: potato, but. I can't, I can't give you every recipe. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean
2: that. I don't mean uh-huh. that. Um, I was uh, thinking about some of the questions our audience might think. Um uh, so it, uh, anything to do with fresh and um, the fact that, and of course, we're, we're learning so much about sugar now. What, what have you learned about sugar?
3: Well, sugar, uh, again, is one of the products that seems to injure the lining of the artery that is so important for making this nitric oxide.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And also, sugar can lead to high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And obviously, sugar is something we don't want for patients who have got diabetes and have weight issues. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever,
2: for yourself, do you have any recommendations if people like to taste something sweet?
3: Oh, yeah. You can always have For instance, I was mentioning in the cereal, if you want something sweet instead of putting sugar on it, you can uh, uh, cut up a banana or have some raisins. I mean, that's a delightful way to get some uh, sweetness.
2: What about dried fruits? Do they have... um...
3: have I I think the dried fruits and a lot of dates and this sort of thing... Could be a little higher on sugar that I think. Okay, yeah, so I there we're thinking there. In
2: other words, if it has, if it's been dried, it would contain more sugar. For sure. Okay, there we're learning. Okay, now uh, what about some of these cactus uh, uh, liquid sugars that they've come out with from the cactus plant?
3: No, I, I, I just, I guess, just generally, uh, until we know that these products have been tested and are known to be safe, what seems to be the uh, uh, the, the easiest way to, to know that things are safe is to try to see whether it's been processed. In mm-hmm. other words, when you go to a, a, okay. a, a, a market and you stay okay. in the periphery and where the produce is, mm-hmm. uh, then you know you've got things that haven't been processed. But once you get into things that are in a bag, a box, and a can, especially a crinkly bag, then you've got something that's yeah. processed. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's where you can get into trouble. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, let's say, doctor, you uh, have you. You're, what do we do for dessert? <laughs> you know, we're living all over the world, and and it seems like you know. And I'm really. It's it sounds so strange, but we've let our taste, uh, those nerve endings on the tongue, run our lives
3: per person. Well, uh, again, I I think most of us certainly at breakfast and lunch you don't need any uh, d- dessert. If you occasionally, on uh, once a week or so, want to have. Uh, a dessert that makes sure that's very, very uh, mild in any of those uh, sugars that we talked about, but you can always have something that's uh, uh, cut up fruit, for instance, is mm-hmm. delicious.
2: Now, granola, uh, you know, there's so much granola cho- choices, but they've got a lot of sugar in them. Oh,
3: yeah, you don't want that.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, you know, the sad part, the reason I'm bringing this up is I've been studying nutrition, not like you. Uh, I've been studying nutrition for many, many years, and for you to understand, uh, when I, about 48 years ago, they diagnosed me with narcolepsy and came to a shock. And my doctor was a friend, and I started studying it, and I started sending to him what I thought I needed to learn. Well, come to find out, it could be organically provoked or organically controlled. So I started studying, like you couldn't believe, doctor, because I didn't want to sleep on a park bench and lose my driver's license. So we, I began to study the food I ate, it was what controlled it and I got out of it, and they didn't think I could because it wasn't getting much better, and they put me on a, description, uh, a medication that I had never needed medication in my whole life. I'm one of those people who never had the flu, the cold, or anything, but uh, they put me on a medication, and I wanted to get off of that as soon as possible so that I could live it myself, with myself so I found that food. So what we're learning here today is that food can re- has a tri- very much of an influence on your life.
3: Well, it's especially important in terms of dementia as well. I mean, it increasingly appears that vascular dementia certainly exactly. and also dementia said that related to, related to al- Alzheimer's disease. Right. Uh, that, that it feels that, that the feeling is... That now, that have you done
2: any testing with that to get them on a d- whole different diet?
3: No, we haven't done a specific research oh, did, on that, but increasingly it. we're <laughs> aware that the fact that it's so important to keep the nitric oxide levels in the there brain high so that if yeah. you're eating to save your heart, you're also going to be doing a great service for your brain. For
2: the brain. Right. You know, Doctor, I have another one for you today. Uh, we're going to take a break for a minute. We'll come back, and you, then you can tell us more and close off the show here but, with you. But it's uh, something I want to study someday also is addiction. I truly believe that people, if anybody who has an addiction has allergic reaction to craving something. And I think that should be studied. And I think in time we're going to find that a diet could control that too. I think you're on something beyond all imagination here. And I want the audience to know too is... When you get up in the morning, and it's like doctors, the doctor said, you, it's what you're eat, what you eating through the day that runs your life. If you feel like you want to be agile and, and feel good about your brain, uh, mental capabilities and not feel sluggish, and, and doctor, have you ever noticed that people that don't eat right have a very bad attitude? They always feel like everything is, you know, they've got a emotion, much more emotional people, much more attitude about the negative. Have you ever noticed that?
3: Uh, I just haven't seen that. Uh, yes,
2: yet. a lot of people that are not eating right are all sluggish and their attitudes are not, are not positive and the brain is not getting the oxygen that it needs and more. And, and the, the symptoms are people who are much more emotional because something is, uh, is interfering. And, and it could be the food. So you're right on to something very important here. Now, we're going to take a moment with our sponsor and uh, I guess we've got one minute left. Okay, we're going to take a moment from our sponsor, and uh, I guess we're, our time is over. And uh, darn well, thank it. Thank you, Sharon. But would you like to say something to the audience with that one minute left?
3: Well, I think that the, what, we really are on a cusp of what I would consider a seismic revolution that is possible in health. And this seismic revolution in health for this country is never going to come from another pill never going to come from another procedure or another operation or building another cardiac cathedral building, but the seismic revolution in health can come when we have the grit and the determination and the will to try to share with the public what is the lifestyle and the nutritional literacy that they must possess to absolutely be able to totally eliminate all these common chronic killing diseases that are lifestyle-related and never have to happen. Thank you, uh, Sharon.
2: Well, thank you for joining us, and we'll look forward to you being in Medford, Oregon. And what are the dates? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in
3: front of my calendar right now. <laughs> I, think
2: it's, I think it's in May, but I'm not sure either. I, I apologize right. to you that I didn't have that ready. I think
3: it's around the but 8, 18th. But we,
2: we, uh, here in Southern Oregon, we're looking forward to meeting you. Thank you. Okay, you have a nice Bye day, and thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. There is so much to learn about such simple things about being healthy. And isn't it kind of fun to get up and have a good attitude and a good outlook and have a frame of mind that you're alert, agile, mobilities that you could feel like it could go for a run when maybe you don't really want to, but you could feel like it. It's because of what you're eating. I, I, will, I will challenge you on that. It's what you're eating and not drink, and drinking enough water. Eight to ten glasses of water is a solvent to get rid of the bad stuff. And then also make sure you're eating the good stuff. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we're coming back with Louise, and she's going to tell us about Women of the Rivers, Women of the Waters. We'll be right back with Louise.
0: all-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
1: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Louise, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, audience, I want you to know Louise Roush is with us. And am I pronouncing it right, Roush? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, and uh, you are... Uh, an author. You have one of the top uh, uh, selling books uh, titled Women of the Rivers," which is a place in my heart. Oh, wait, you know, wait. wait. Louise. I want to, um, And uh, it's about women of water and, uh, and the world out there. But tell us about you and then you can tell us about what, what the book is about. Okay, first I have to clarify. Um, that is not my book. Oh, uh, it isn't?
4: Uh, No, um, I founded Women of the Rivers um, Mm -hmm. in August. i have never heard of Women of the Waters until I got your email.
2: Um, Oh. Different groups, so I don't really know anything about them. Um, Now, uh, before, okay, so uh, tell us about your background.
4: um, I've been a transpersonal therapist, chemical hypnotherapist, biofeedback therapist. Um, My son crossed over... Uh, suddenly, at 22, four years ago. Then I uh, worked in um, as a grief coach for several years.
2: Your your son passed away.
4: Yes, he did. Oh. And I'm now um, ha- I'm now the founder of Planetary Coach Academy. It's called what? Planetary Coach Academy, and uh, coach we Academy. certify people to be planetary coaches. Oh, okay. Okay. And I want, I was listening to your show, um, which was fascinating, um, and I, I just really wanted to add on the nutrition part that one of the things that I do for my own nutrition, and my grandchildren were just here at Easter, and, um, and so we, we were doing it as part of our dessert, and that is to whatever we're working on in our health, to be thinking it. For instance, it, let's say it was, I wanted to lose weight. Um, That while I'm drinking the water, that I would be thanking the water for helping every cell in my body to my metabolism to um, metabolize the food better, for my cravings to shorten. That's
2: right. um, Whatever
4: I'm working on in my health. Yeah, I many times believe I lift
2: my water like I'm toasting myself. (laughs) Yes, I I had been setting water for for over thirty-five years and. And I was always so surprised, Louise, why the medical field uh, left the water behind. And uh, I came to some conclusions, the reason why. But, um, but again, people, uh, you know, people want something so complex, Louise. They want it to be so I know. complex, you know, <laughs> and so complicated. And, and, you know, it's just like the, the doctor just said, too. It's so simple, If you learn to eat with a healthier lifestyle, you could even get rid of some of the diseases that are killing people. And then Mm -hmm. you're telling us about your background. You want them to mentally be thinking about uh, uh, paying it forward and a better outlook on life and how we we appreciate what we have and who we are and the outlook on what the planet has given us. Am I wrong? Um, No. I'm really wanting...
4: um... Definitely to teach people and my coaches to mm-hmm. be supportive in mm-hmm. uh, releasing fear on the planet, to know that um, it's not an end that we're going to be facing in the future, that it's actually a beginning. Right. And that one of the, one of the most valuable resources that we have for um, creating that new beginning is talking to water, that mm-hmm. to not believe in the scarcity of water, but to actually talk to water. Because it does hear, it hears when we um, when we drink it and in, goes inside of us. It hears when we bless it to go out into the earth. I'm actually part of a um, a ceremony. Uh, it's coming up this um, the 17th and it, in of April, and it's fabulous. It goes on Mount Ashland, and Robert Brothers started this ceremony. It's called um, Snow Mountain. And people of all religions and faiths come up and they circle around a fire or water. It's been different um, different years. And people have like five or ten minutes to either sing a song or tell a poem or do a ceremony. There's no preaching. It's mm-hmm. just all communing and blessing. The mm-hmm. snow. So that when And where is this
2: gonna be at now?
4: It's in Mount Ashland on the April 17th. Uh-huh. So then the snow hears all of these beautiful, beautiful messages. And then when it melts and it starts traveling down into the rivers, that that message carries into our, our water systems and to the streams and to mm-hmm. every home and eventually
2: to the ocean. Isn't that a beautiful vision? It is a beautiful vision, you know. I've had so many guests on the air uh, here for so many years now, and we were talking about the world and how vital the water is, and mm-hmm. and uh, the storage of the water, which Earth provided us. The first step was is the aquifers, and when the snow melts, it also absorbs down into to the soils and to the aquifers, and then the excess ro- rolls down into the channels of the lakes, the streams, and the river. Right. And uh, without the water, there'd be no life. And the power of, of our faith in the water is beyond just what you said. It is listening to us closely. We're not saving enough water. It's all rushing off to the oceans. And other countries of the world uh, and that are known for desert sands, they way back in time didn't think that the water would not always be there. They really didn't dream for a moment that that water would all run away, go away, run to the ocean, and then they'd be end up with sand. And below the sand at depths, is water. But they never protected the water, and that they needed human life on earth was to protect the water. Hold some of it back. Don't let all of it go away or you're going to end up Sand which affects our oxygen, our humidity, and life on Earth. But now on your um, coaching, when you're uh, coaching your different individuals that come to you, uh, what are you thinking that people should start thinking about? Well,
4: when it comes to water, it is definitely blessing the water, blessing it whenever you, um, whether you're taking a shower or just any time that you're ever using water. And, And to... When you're drinking it, to really be thinking about what you're wanting to the world to be like and your health mm-hmm. to be like, to really feel those messages um, are actually going in the water, so they go part of your cells. And I personally don't um, like to support the idea of scarcity. I know that the statistics. Um, I was actually part of a World Water Day. Um, there's a ceremony for that, and with Women of the Rivers and. Um that is uh, a really global thought about the scarcity of water. But in planetary coaching, I really like to encourage people to not give water the message of scarcity, to give it the message of um, being more abundant. And just like it's been proven that, um, that we can pray and actually call in rain, we can actually call in water to multiply. And our thoughts are
2: so vital in the creation of what we're going so to be. So you're believing with your um, coaching that if a person thinks positive, eventually that positive is going to happen somehow, someday, some way, even if it takes 500 years, whatever amount it takes. If is is you believe that people should be always thinking about don't give up on yourself, uh, that you should always be as positive, and then eventually that positive will happen. Is that what you're thinking? Absolutely. I believe in the yeah. power of love. That really strong vibration
4: of love. Mm-hmm. I, I also believe it's very important to, to be mindful of world events, what's going on in the world. But when you, the reason why you would educate yourself on that is so that you would actually know where to send love stronger. Not to create a fearful... I mean, well, I maybe mean,
2: is it possible that the other way to look at this, too, then, is if you have a very strong faith, it, you've got to realize it's, 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 you've been given a life, but you've, you're going to be living forever with the unknown. Mm-hmm. And because that's the faith of, uh, of our life and the power of faith on my I believe in God. So whatever that person believes in out there and the faith that they wish to reach to, To look at the positive of the faith is going to be running your life of the unknown. Absolutely, that's your life story. The one thing about it, the other side of the coin, is that 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 which I truly believe in myself, and yet I'm also in research and science, and Mm -hmm. I look at the diseases that are out there. For example, like Dr. Estrelstrom and I was saying. And people are so worried about a, a disease. Well, they didn't. Re- they, they don't realize there's so much a person can do if you start learning more about what you have to do to to exercise. What you must be done every day as a, pr- a practice as an exercise to be a healthier person. To eat right, like you said, drink the water. Eat right second. Get plenty of sleep. Don't put your head on the pillow thinking nature is only going to take control. You've got to learn how to do that personally. We're being tugged and pulled all over the world uh, by every bit of information that we need to learn to understand. What do we believe in really? What do we believe is the truth? And, and yet we have to turn to our faith to let it flow like the waters of the flow and understand that. Uh, but there's so much to learn, too. It's like I have been learning about the waters for many, many, many years. And I know where Earth's uh, people, human species, gave up on the water and let it flow all away. And without the surface water, you don't have enough oxygen in the air for the humidity. And it's, it's all flowing away. You can turn out to be like other countries of the world that have had water wars for over 100, hundred, two, 300 years and longer because there's no more water, and the tribes are fighting for water in different countries of the world. What do you do to hold on to water? What do I personally do? I don't do anything to hold on to water except for my glass of water <laughs> um, <and you laughs> or a product it, that has water in it. Tears? But what I'm saying is, is out there in the world to retain the water so our channels of rivers don't all diminish and go away. There's ways that we have to learn, that there's ways to back up that water and hold it for the day we don't have enough and for the years to come not have enough so we as humans have a responsibility to go a little bit beyond and study, like Dr. Esselstrom was saying earlier, learn more about what's available. Human species were put on this earth to be able to learn more about how earth could be here for eternity and not cease to exist. And the waters of our earth are vital. Like I've had scientists from all over the world on here. We've been in Holland with the heads of water in Holland and around the world now, in Kenya. And uh, when you have a drought or you have unforeseen climate, changes. And the climate has been changing forever. And if the water is influenced and sanitation is influenced, we have 5,000 children dying a day on this planet Earth, dying a day, which is unacceptable because they don't have any water or sanitation. So waters of the world are not as free and abundant as we have here in the United States of America, although... Louise, as you and I both know, there's water wars going on right here in our country now. They're furious at the states that are taking water away from other states because those other states didn't protect their waters, and there's the states that are having to give other states water because they didn't plan on protecting their waters that they had originally. And there's water wars going on now that they're not going to give them as much water as they used to from state to state. Canada, having an abundant amount of water with no end of dams to protect their waters, uh, have really long ago knew that water was their existence as a country, and this very and Canada is just flourishing with water and abundant with beautiful atmos- uh, atmosphere, a uh, breath of life. And yet, well, the it's only here. way that I know
4: how to protect waters. How do you protect water? Um, well, I stay very involved in agencies. Uh, um, uh, being an activist, I really understand. I, I like to become aware of what's going on in my my own hometown, um, how they're treating water um, okay. right now. Grants Pass, um, the town that you and I both live in, um, just recently, um, our county uh, did one of a beautiful, wonderful thing. They actually said no to some two subdivisions because there's not enough water. That was a a really big win for protecting water, and I'm really proud that our county actually was paying attention. And so as we actually voice our opinions, we do our letters, Mm -hmm. we write in, um, Mm -hmm. I believe it's whole brain, Sharon. You have to really use whole brain. You know, God gave you a brain, and he gave you a heart, and you want to use both of them. Mm -hmm. So I personally,
2: every full moon and new moon, I always, now, Dude. back to the subdivisions of our country and the world and where they've been putting cities forever. You know, I studied that so far back uh, when I was studying the waters and Hippocrates and more. And the fact that the migration of population has always gone towards the water. And I agree with you and I agree with others that, um, that now this, today, you probably didn't hear our population growth this last week. And I mentioned that every, that's like 1,450,000 people, new people on our planet Earth. And it was like 47,000 new people in the United States.
4: So and just what's think, happening, Where we
2: need to... part that many people, if that many people
4: had the, were to be um, really feeling the vibration of love when they were drinking water, they could make... You know, miracles can happen on Earth. Um, we've seen miracles everywhere. Um, a tree that outside my own home that was dying, I have prayed for it and hugged it and gave it love and it came back. Um, miracles are possible. And so when we work together, all those people, look how many people that is. You generate that, much, that many people and calling and communing with water, sending uh-huh. water, love, blessing water. I believe you're not going to have less water. I believe you're going to have
2: more abundant water. I think it's time that people start thinking that way. You're right. You're right. Thank you. (laughs) I'm very passionate about this because... Well, I have been, too. In fact, I have been... I'm 70, and uh, my family, we grew up, my family loved to go fly fishing, Mm -hmm. and everything we ever did around the water... And uh, there was something that uh, we believed in forever is the water. And I grew up where you get out of bed in the morning and you start out with your first glass of water. And uh, so through the years, um, as I got into water, and I'm known all over the world, published all over the world, what I do in water, in the study of water, is I wanted people to learn to not run to the medicine cabinet, but go to the water. Hmm. and to learn more. And as you know, probably I'm the first person in the medical field to ever, they accepted the water, and they're studying the waters and the universities all over the world now of what can be done for healthier benefits. Now, grandmother Aggie, um, who um, also lives in our
4: town, Grants Pass, um, one of the 13 indigenous grandmothers who travel around our earth, grandmothers, um, her tribe... Uh, her ancestors were from um, Table Rock, just below Table Rock, next to mm-hmm. Two Park. There's this valley of land there. And her ancestors were actually, they were known for being river keepers, for protecting the rivers. Mm-hmm. And they believed in the salmon. Um, salmon came back every year as salmon people to feed the tribes. Mm-hmm. And they did ceremonies to protect the um, to bring back the salmon, people that the young warriors would go down into the river and bury mm-hmm. the bones, and they were always communing with water and blessing their
2: supplies. Louise, the did you know that so fish, far back that the, the first doctors of our world, were the women? Yes, and, and, and the women carry those a waters every morning. Here. In other countries of the world, they get up before dawn and carry the water to their family. And I was listening to the CEO of PepsiCo, and she said her mom in India would get up every morning and go out with her buckets and bring the water into the family. And this woman today is now president of PepsiCo. That was her mother. But we only have about a moment left. I'll let you finish off with saying something to your audience worldwide. What would you like to say to them? Um, To Every time that
4: you drink water, to be thinking of love, to to seeing water multiply in abundance. Um, to see that water nourishing every cell of your
2: body, that you are healthy and well, and that life is getting better. Give it to your water. water. And, you know, on the children of the world who are dying, uh, my goal is to potentially do what I can do to influence the leaders of those countries to be totally humiliated that those children don't have free water. Everybody should have free water, shouldn't they, Louise? Absolutely. Well, you Absolutely. have a good day, and thank you for joining us, and I hope I can have you on again someday. All right. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. You have a nice day. Be well. Well, what we are learning about the world out there and how our outlook on life, as like Dr. Esselstrom has said, and Louise has said, it's an outlook on life and your choice of lifestyle. And our guest that we've had on the show for almost starting our sixth year People from all over the world we've talked to in countries and our own country here in America about what are what are our beliefs about what we need to learn and 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 be part of of a choice of lifestyle, and uh, the world is experiencing every day a major I will call it a revolution that there's so much to learn and a process for all of us to, for our life, and the knowledge is revolutionary like our show and other methods, today, thanks to the social internet, the social media. We're going to get more into that, and I want you to be watching here before long. I believe that all of the education that's available to you on the internet and what you can learn to think about and be open-minded about. When you go to study something, be open-minded. And remember, when you're studying and open-minded, can you learn enough? Every moment changes. There's so much to learn. But how your frame of mind will be is how you're sleeping, you're drinking plenty of water, and you're eating fresh, raw vegetables, and you're having a better diet. And you're going to pass that forward to other generations to want to be healthy and live longer. I think the earth has a secret, don't you? And the secret we're learning. Embrace your life, and you'll also influence and embrace somebody else's. But I do believe this, that earth is whispering. Don't ever say goodbye. Pay it forward. Give it back. Do something good. Leave your footprints for somebody else to, do, to, to be healthy and, and live a life on this planet, because it's just as good on the earth as it is in heaven. I want to thank you for listening, and have a nice day.